0: Welcome to Talking China Number 4. As probably you might notice, uh, unfortunately, Harbin, uh, the capital city of Heilongjiang Province, is under lockdown. Uh, Today, I just read the message uh, posted by a couple of news agencies that the city is closed. Recently, the coronavirus outbreak, uh, uh, when we discussed China-Russia relations is a very high issue. It's a very big problem, I would say, especially at the local level. The relationship at the local level between China and Russia have become very tense. That's what we can learn from both Chinese and Russian media. Um, Definitely, uh, Harbin is on a lockdown. Heilongjiang, the government, in the in, in the province is expecting the second wave of coronavirus and close the border with russia the chinese citizens traveling from russia are not allowed to return to motherland uh, when it comes to the reality uh, we have two border cities Suifenhe and heihe he, border points closed what i've learned from media from chinese media in Suifenhe. The government opened a special hospital to check the returning people from Russia. The relations in Northeast China has not been easy, and since at least the Opium war, both sides have been seeing each other with suspicious, just to mention clashes in 1969 over the Usuri River in March that year. On the other hand, The central government relations are very close, are very hot, as we can say it in Chinese, and Beijing limits the discussions on the growing number of important coronavirus cases from Russia, one of its closest partners, but the bottom level is the opposite, I would say. Heilongjiang's hospital has been further stretched by hundreds of imported cases from Chinese citizens who entered the country from Siberia, as I said, from He. Today I will discuss three dimensions of Sino-Russian border governance, and uh, particularly I will focus on Heilongjiang province role in state relationship. So, uh, three dimensions, as I said. The first, historical dimension and common perceptions. The second, Halonjang provincial plans and investments in the Russian Far East. And finally, I will go to Heihe, the beautiful city, uh, uh, border with Blagoveshchensk, And I will discuss a couple of issues from my last year trip to the region. The current status of Heilongjiang was shaped by unequal treaties signed by in Aigun and Beijing by Qing Empire and Romanov Empire in 19th century. The Russian Empire and Qing's Empire uh, established the Sino-Russian border along the Amur River, reversing the previous Nerchinsk Treaty of 1689, the only single treaty, what is important thing, I think here, uh, treaty perceived by China as the equal treaty. Since then, the left bank of Amur-Heilong River belonged to Russia, and Russia gained 100% control over the Primoria region down to Vladivostok. What is important here, what is very strategic here, is that this agreement, signed in Beijing resulted in taking Qing's empire and then the Republic of China and the People's Republic of China out of the sea access. This is really uh, a huge issue for Heilongjiang province. Without a seaport, the province has a very limited options for development. Going back, to the historical issues, the most critical moment when it comes to Blagoveshchensk was taken by the armed Russian Cossacks who forced about three to 4,000 people to be deported across the river, across the Amur River. And majority of them were killed by Russian soldiers. And this is really important because when you go to Hegel, when you go to the museum there, you will see uh, that Chinese cherish the Chinese people and they, f- they fight against Russian. Let me quote one of the course book, historical course book. Having a great tradition of self-defense, the Chinese nation could not bear humiliation. Being in a front of uh, 10,000 Russian army, bad Russian aggressors, the patriotic masses of the Northeast China, being filled with pain, took up arms and started to fight. That's a Chinese version of the history. On the other side of Amor Bank, Russians celebrate the Cossacks for their rule in securing land that were once, were once Chinese, but since the mid middle of 19th century have been firmly part of the Russian Empire and Russian Far East. So needless to say that the nation-state borders were shaped uh, in 19th century. Heilongjiang became the middle ground between two empires, between two civilizations, and definitely the land of Heilongjiang province is highly influenced by Russian Uh, civilization. Even today, uh, the main street in Harbin, the capital city, as I said at the beginning, on a lockdown at the moment, the central street is full of Russian-style buildings, Tsarist emblems, and what surprised me a lot, lack of Han Chinese souvenirs, and it reminds us of Russian domination in the region. Let me go to the second point. History is important because we are based in a kind of historical continuity. The second point I'd like to address today is Heilongjiang provincial plans, investment in the Russian forest. Definitely the story of Heilongjiang's involvement in China's external relations, especially in economic diplomacy, started when the Northeast Asian Economic Forum was held Uh, in Changchun, the capital of competing province, Jilin province. And when in 1991, Beijing designated Jilin province for conducting the Tumen cross-border project, immediately people from Harbin, especially from Heilongjiang Academy of Social Sciences, organized a competing forum on regional cooperation with Uh, Sea of Japan Rim Economic Cycle, centered in Niigata. So definitely at the very beginning, the scholars in Heilongjiang did not see the cooperation with Russia as the core of provincial international outreach. They looked into more developed regions, more developed country, Japan. But definitely when the provincial, level government and the province was labelled as a bridgehead by Hu Jintao in 2006, and then as a key window in opening the North China by the central government in Beijing uh, 2015, and uh, with a Berlin Road that pushed Heilongjiang into the Russian hands. The central government in Beijing expected the province would utilize and benefit from a very cordial relations between Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin. And let me give you some numbers. Since since 2013, when the Berlin Road was announced, the provincial trade dependency on Russia noted the highest rate in the history and accounted approximately 70% and was up 20% over the last 12 years. The second important feature of the trade dependency is the fluctuation of trade and the structure of Heilongjiang trade with Russia. What I've realized going through statistics from a Chinese side, the fluctuations was from 12% up to 60% down. So huge asymmetry, huge fluctuations. This is nothing good. I would say for provincial level government. The core question here is how to develop the province, how to make the economic growth sustainable, being dependent on the Russian Far East. Going further, taking the exact numbers published by Minister of Commerce from Beijing uh, in uh, In 2017, there were 146 enterprises in 18 overseas parks promoted by Heilongjiang province in Russian Far far East with the total investment accounted 1.8 billion US dollars. But as they said, not all Chinese companies enjoyed the incentives given by the Russian Far East developmental zones. As Chinese sources said, only 39 enterprises in five overseas parks were given the preferential treatments, preferential policies, not all. So what what we can acknowledge from this, that Russian side, at least in the Far East, is eager to limit the cooperation with mainland China. The very interesting point did by a couple of Chinese scholars is that along with global warming, the North Korean years in the Russian Federation, especially in the Russian Far East, uh, will have the, the huge possibility for investment in agriculture sector. As estimated by Zakharov and Napalkov last year, Chinese companies leased and own uh, more than 350,000 hectares uh, in Russian Far East uh, with the biggest uh, area in Amur region, more than Uh, 118,000 hectares and in Jewish autonomous region approximately 90,000 hectares. But what is the interesting issue is when the coronavirus outbreak uh, started and the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations issued the recommendation for global food chains, immediately the Russian government, in order to maintain domestic food reserves, issued the new regulations on limiting the export capacity of major agricultural products. And the major crops should not exceed 7 million tons between March and June this year. So. Interestingly, we can translate this into the Chinese investment in the Russian territory. Simply the export of all these investors is going to be limited. So this is very interesting. And as I mentioned before, the critical thing is a seaport. Uh, what I've learned from, from my research, that, uh, the centrally sponsored initiative, uh, big names, big labels like Berlin Road, etc. Does not secure the important corridors to Russian ports in Vladivostok, Nakhotka, and the connections via the corridor called Primary One, Primory One, in order to ship Chinese goods to US and, and, and Europe. Uh, primary tour also doesn't work smoothly. Uh, and uh, the city of Han Chuen has a lot of problems in shipping goods via uh, Posset and Zarubino and transport Chinese goods to Korean Peninsula uh, and Japan. So, as we see the second point, Heilongjiang faces a lot of dilemmas at a local level. The, the final point in our today's discussion is, Hey, uh, visions? I like the city. I mean, I enjoyed the, 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 the trip doing my field work, uh, crossing the border, et cetera. But the similar story with Heilongjiang, I I recognize in Heihe, that definitely the centrally-led cross-border governance caused Heihe to be cut by the cooperation with Russia. While in 2015, Heihe trade with Russia was approximately uh, 86% of the total trade of the city uh, in uh, in, uh, 2016, 17, 18, and 19, it was between 90 percent and 95 percent respectively. So definitely the trade dependency is something that might and should be seen as a huge challenge for development of the region, uh, especially when you are dependent on one side, as I mentioned, in case of Heilongjiang, the fluctuations of trades are really huge and has a huge impact on your a development. So, contrary to the expectations uh, and enthusiasm at the beginning, the Belt and Road Initiative has made the trade of Hehe City on the edge. Uh, the high dependency on Russian side uh, brought challenges during the coronavirus in January this year. What I've learned from Chinese media: the top three categories of export commodities in the border trade declined. Uh, mechanical electronic parts, 10%, um, labor intense products, 11%, 12%, and agriculture products, 14%. So definitely this is something that uh, the people in he, the people in Heilongjiang uh, need to deal with. Uh, and then we have the second point when it comes to Hayhead, the, the bridge between Hayhead and Black of I think it's the most illustrative example of the cross-border governance. This is a very short project. I mean, in a sense, it's a 20-kilometres-long project of highway bridge between both cities. What is very interesting, that they started to negotiate it is uh construction in uh 1988 as i uh, as i remember and after 30 30 30 years more than 30 years of negotiations both sides opened the bridge last year i was in october i saw the bridge there was some some people working there but definitely they open in november Hence, China entered WTO, as you know, after 17 years of negotiations. Right? To build a single bridge with Russia uh, took twice long uh, as uh, joining WTO. And the Russian side agreed only for the highway bridge, not the railway bridge. This is very meaningful because still, Heilongjiang province has a one, as far as I remember, uh, railway bridge, railway uh, checkpoint. Uh, in suy built by Tsarist Russia. So definitely, they opened the bridge in November and closed in January due to coronavirus uh, situation. And finally, common perception. I talked to people in Heihe. I enjoyed the conversations, the talking to people traveling across the city. and The people in Heihe complained I will quote, China sponsored all initiative, we pay for all, and Russian local governments across the border are corrupted and not eager to reform, what they said. Moreover, there are loopholes in border trade supervision. It makes the trade based on illegal activities, smuggling, etc. and this undermines the reputation of Heilongjiang province. I've learned a lot from common people talking to them. The policies on the Russian side, they said, have been fluctuating, uh, mainly based on unilateral protectionism with tariff barriers for agricultural products and other products exported by China. Extra taxes imposed on the Chinese companies. Russia's social transition, they said, is unstable, have not yet been completed. Although Russia's uh, accession to WTO did not change much, and due to the lack of judi- judicial independence, complicated administrative procedures, and corruption, Russia is still a minor business partner. But Baden Road, as I said, pushed them towards Russian side. But finally, to conclude with at least one sentence, I think the most important issue for the future of Heilongjiang province international actions is that the province is located between, as I said at the beginning, two civilizations, two religious zones, and two big empires that cooperate and compete at the same time. And I will stop here. Thank you very much for being with me uh, this evening. Uh, I hope to contribute more about provincial level governments and their outreach. I wish people in Harbin all the best, and see you and uh, see you next next month. Thank you very much.